right, this is episode one of the Caniac Report. I am your co-host, Sam Driscoll, along with... Sam Wallace. And today we're going to be talking about the Carolina Hurricanes, and each week we're going to be talking about the Carolina Hurricanes, since this is the first podcast. Halfway through the season, we're going to be talking about the Hurricanes and how well they have done in the first half of the season. Yes, and uh, obviously this is the Caniac Report. I believe it was you who started or created the title right yeah i mean i figured it'd be good to have a couple of canes fans just kind of get in give their honest opinion about how the team is doing um and discuss what's going on maybe what the team might need down the stretch obviously we're going to the playoffs as we'll get into but i mean it's it's good to have a good team again in carolina yeah definitely um also uh just to give you guys an update on the episodes, we're going to be planning on releasing them on Mondays of every week. Uh, right now, we're recording this on a Friday, so we'll be record we'll be reporting on all the games on a weekly basis. And of course, like what Sam said, for this first episode, we're just going to be talking about the season and this season. Boy, I I'm really happy. That we're playing this good. After ten long, grueling years to have three seasons of successful hockey culminating in this season of just unbelievable play by this organization with the best coach in the league and the f- current reigning Jack Adams Trophy winner and Rod Brindamore, the Lady Bing winner and Jacob Slavin. This team is riddled with uh, talent and they are clearly a cup contender. Some folks just haven't been willing to give them to that, but you have people like John Tortorella at the beginning of the season saying that Carolina is going to be the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, and honestly, uh, just looking back at this season so far, that I mean, this is a team that, through memory alone, I have never witnessed to be this good before. Um, I know they won the Stanley Cup back in 06, but out and this could have been different for you, but I could honestly barely remember them winning the Stanley Cup in 06. I was pretty young, too. I didn't really watch hockey back then. I kind of started the year. The Hurricanes made the, made the playoffs, and, and I think it was 09. Um, and they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and got their butts kicked by Pittsburgh. Um, then after that, I was a fan. I mean, still a fan of Carolina, and I've been a fan through all the long years. The droughts over and over again, just not being able to make it. And um, when they finally made it, and you, the wonderful uh, interview with that Mike Mandiscalco had with uh, Peter Morazic on the bench when he was yelling that we're in. I mean, good gracious, if you're a Canes fan, how did you not tear up a little bit at that after 10 long years of no playoff hockey in Carolina? Yeah, I think dedicated fans really just got emotional. It was against New Jersey, I believe, that um, where we won. It was the last home game of the season. I remember watching it in my apartment in college. I was so happy, and yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was in college when they clinched playoff spot in my dorm room, and I was hugging my roommates, so they knew how happy I was after a long time of being a fan and not having playoff hockey. And on that first on that first playoff game, I drove three hours from school to go and listen and to go and watch. But now we have a season like this where, oh, boy, when they get to the playoffs, I will be at every game. I will be there to cheer this team on and cheer this team on to win a cup. 
because right now the Carolina Hurricanes have the best win percentage in the Eastern Conference. That is unbelievable when you have teams like Tampa Bay, Florida, Washington, Pittsburgh, New York. And in the Metropolitan Division, we're number one. And we're not only number one in the Metropolitan Division. We have games in hand, and we're number one in the Metropolitan Division. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we're tied with New York in points, but I think it's four or five games in hand against New York. We've got, I think, four points, four games in hand against the Penguins, and we're two points ahead of them. And then Washington's kind of just fallen off, but I think we have four or five games in hand against the Caps. I think this team is really, at the moment, the runaway winner from the Metro, and if they keep playing like they are, I see no reason why they don't win the Metropolitan Division and probably wrap it up pretty early in the season. Exactly, and um, I remember at the very start, even before the home opener, um, we got in a lot of new faces. We got in Tony D'Angelo. We got in uh, Frederick Anderson and T. Ranta. The whole goaltending was new along with adding some depth with uh, on the D with um Ethan Bear and Ian Cole and of course there's a huge offer sheet for yes Barry Cockney. I mean I still laugh at that very moment because that was just undefeated epic champions trolling. of the offer sheet. Epic trolling by the Canes Twitter. I loved it. I think it's great when you have a general manager like Don Waddell and an owner like Tom Dundon who are willing to make moves like that in order to make the team better. The offer sheet Kotkaniemi was a pretty risky move, and they did it because for them it was a it was a win win situation. I mean, if they if they didn't get the player, oh well, they still have six million dollars they can go use and try and pick someone else up. And they put Montreal in a rough spot, which is a which is a conference rival in the Eastern Conference. And then you have if they get the player, then they get a player that they want. And they only pay a first and a third. And Kotkaniemi was a was a pick number three overall in the draft, right after Sechnikov, and which means we have two and three in that draft. That says a lot. He's a center. Takes a little bit longer to develop, but he's been solid this season, despite what Montreal fans would like us to think. He still has more points and goals, I think, than anyone else on the Canadiens roster. Well, at least more goals on the um, than any other player on the Canadiens roster. And it's kind of sad. Yeah, and let me check the... Because uh, I can't remember off the top of my head with what Montreal stats were. What were they? They were... Let's see. They were... Uh, yeah, there he 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 actually has uh, he's tied in goals at the top of Montreal with Nick Suzuki and Tyler Toffoli. So I mean, I'm sure they do miss some. Kotkaniemi has nine goals on the season, and just to compare, Sebastian Ajo has 19. So more than eclipsing our best players, more than eclipsing Montreal's. While one of our um one of our other good players, even Kotkaniemi, I mean, tied. That's, yeah. That says something. I mean, what about team depth? I mean, that player, he plays third, fourth line, but, I mean, most teams he's probably second or first line. It shows that Carolina really made a lot of moves in the offseason, and I think the best team to compare what we're seeing this season to is the 05-06 season. And that team, I mean, you had a lot of young guys at the time. You had Eric Stahl, who was playing one of his rookie seasons, and now he was unbelievable. But it was mostly more of a mature team as a whole because they added Doug Wade in. At the trade deadline. Yep. And I believe another player I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, Mark Recchi. Mark Recchi, yes, that was the other. Nicknamed Renta Recchi because he <laughs> played on so many teams in his career. Yes. But, I mean, we got a lot of, you know, people who are veterans now. Jacob Slavin and, and Brett Pesci, who's been on this team for a while. Nino Niederreiter. And they're only 27, which is just amazing. 
Oh yeah, I mean we have a, a, a Stanley Cup winner and George Stahl, who's captaining this this club. Stanley Cup winner Ian Cole. You have players who've been there; they've won and they're ready to win again. And I think this team is really just driving. They're moving, and I think when they get to the playoffs, they're gonna they're gonna be the the favorite to win to win the cup. I think I think I can see this this season finishing out with Carolina taking on Colorado. I think that seems to be a prevailing opinion. I don't really see any other team in the West who might be able to take out Colorado. Other other than maybe Vegas, but I don't even think Vegas has the caliber offense and defense to really take out Colorado in seven. Yeah, same here. But again, playoffs are a totally different beast. We just we honestly don't know. But obviously, we like predictions because they're fun. Uh, so at the start of the season, obviously, um, Kansas are still predicted to be a playoff team. Yep. But because of the amount of changes, it was, it's obvious or expected to have some growing pains. Growing pains there. But the, if you look at the month of October, we didn't lose a game. We didn't lose a game. We were undefeated. Uh, we won against the Islanders, which was the home opener, all the way to the Arizona game, which the Arizona game wasn't the prettiest game. Oh, no, right up on the glass for that <laughs> game. That was fun. Stressful game. We won that one, but, you know, we were supposed to win that one. I mean, watching this this team battle in that month, I think it was a nine-game winning streak. That was just, I mean, that was fun. That's fun to see them get on a hot start like that. Yeah, it was. And when it comes to, like, that Arizona game, I mean, yeah, it wasn't pretty. But when it comes to sports, not only do you have to look at the details, but the big picture, too. Like, this is a team that won nine games. There's a lot of credit in that, too, than just that one game. Yeah, and they won some of those games. They probably, you know, as if you listen to, like, Adam Gold, who I tend to agree with pretty regularly, I mean, they didn't look good in some of those wins. But it shows the skill of this team where you might not look good for most of the game, but if you come out and you play your best period in that third period, I mean, this team believes they can win every night. I think the best example of that is the Columbus game when they went down and they came back and won, I think, 7-4. to four. They were down 4-1, I think 3 nothing. Yeah, 4-1. It was 4-1. Four to one. Four to four to one. Yeah. And Carolina rattled off goals in the third and second period and came back to win that game. And that's just again, it shows this team doesn't quit. They don't care if they get down. They'll fight and they'll battle and they'll keep going. I think the only one of the only times this season where they just looked absolutely lethargic was against Columbus that second time. When Columbus obviously had a beef because we we embarrassed them at home, they came and embarrassed us at home. You expect that in the National Hockey League. They're all pros. Yeah, and we finally lost at Florida, which to me I was honestly fine with. We've won nine games in a row. I mean. You can afford to lose, and, and that's one of had teams, to lose. And Florida's one of the teams that we... Florida's we, a great we, team. We, we haven't been able to solve yet. We lost to them in regulation time, and then we kind of lost to them in, in overtime at home. That was a fun game, too. I mean, to watch the, probably the two of the best teams, if not the two best teams in the Eastern Conference battle it out, I mean, it, it would be a great playoff series to see these two young teams together in seven. Yeah, exactly. And... We can tell, especially just looking at the past games, that this is a very young team, but also there is also a, a drawback of having a young team because when you do lose a game, that confidence to these young players can really rattle you. And it kind of, I mean, it a little bit showed uh, the rest of them. I, I, I would say it, it a little bit showed, but not much because they also had that long road trip. But even that long road trip, we went uh, three win, 
four wins, one regulation loss, one overtime loss, I'm willing to take that any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, we've had very successful months. We've had successful streaks, successful games. And I think it helps when you have a young team to have an experienced veteran netminder like Freddie Anderson, who a lot of Canes fans and a lot of people in the media were you know, skeptical of, of, of Freddie Anderson and Antiranta, who have had injury issues in the past. Um, I think Freddie, I think it shows Don Waddell and um, Don Dundon's uh, 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 brilliance in this matter, you know, Peter Morazic, Alex Andelkovich, outstanding, James Reimer, I mean, oh my goodness, he just couldn't lose And when he was in Carolina, and I mean, you had stellar goaltending, and to move on was risky, but they believed that the, the what the stats that, that um, Anderson put up and Ronta put up could come to Carolina and truly be successful, and unlike in Toronto, Anderson has defense in Carolina, um, there was an all-offensive show in Toronto, and Anderson did unbelievable. He stood on his head, but he come to Carolina, and, and now we're really seeing probably vintage Freddie Anderson, the best he's at. is one of his best seasons of his career. I think Should it's be the Vesna. best season. I think, I think it's the best season of, of his career. Uh, Lesna, um, I think he definitely should be a nominee. Whether he's going to win it, I think that's a different story because yeah. you have, I think... Uh, one of the best goalies in our division, Igor Shosturkin, with like a 938 save percentage. I think a lot of it might come down to who wins the Metropolitan Division. I think that's the best division in hockey. Um, I think if Carolina is able to come out and win it, and I think Freddie Anderson's the guy in Carolina, um, we'll see. If I think his numbers are just going to keep getting better. I don't see them getting worse. I think Freddie Anderson's going to keep piling up those wins. He'll be a nominee. And I think he might even win the Vesna. I think it's great Definitely. to have a Vesna, a Vesna competing goaltender in Carolina. We haven't really had that even with with Morazic, uh, Nadelkovic, and Reimer. We had stellar goaltending in that one A, one B situations, really one C. But we never had that Vesna caliber, and I think that's what they wanted because that's what you almost need to win a Stanley Cup. You need that top tier defense and that top tier goaltending, and we have it this season. Yes, and I, I remember that uh, Nadelkovic trade and. I might still not be the b- biggest fan of that trade. I I still would have loved to see an Anderson Nadelkovich tandem, but looking back, I a little bit more understand why they traded him. I still think he's doing pretty decent in Detroit, uh, but obviously Anderson proving himself is the biggest step up. Yeah, from I, I think it's I think it's great that Anderson has been unbelievable. And yeah, I mean, it's true. A lot of folks weren't thrilled about the Nadelkovich the trade. I mean, I wasn't thrilled about it at the start because at that point, then we definitely had no goaltenders even close to signing through the season. And I thought, you know, we probably could have gotten some more. But I think if you go back and look at Nadelkovich's uh, line of work, he did great in the regular season. But when it got to the playoffs, he was a tad shaky. And I think for, for Don Waddell, that was enough for him to say, you know, it's time to move on. We don't think he can be the guy to get us to where we need to go. He's having a good year in Detroit uh, for a team that's not very good, but he, he is he is good. He will be a solid goaltender for them in their rebuild. So I look forward to seeing him improve. I wish nothing but the best for Nadelkovic and Peter Morazic and definitely James Reimer, who's also having an unbelievable season in San Jose, which is great for him. I'd love to see them do well. To me, that's more surprising than Anderson coming to Carolina. Like, Reimer was doing excellent, but... That's a whole other story for another day. Um, so, yeah, November we did have some scoring woes, but that just proved 
our goalies to be one of the top goalies in the NHL. In um, December, uh, we started scoring a lot more, especially when it came to that Buffalo game, that 6-2 to two huge win. That really, again, confidence is key with this team because they're young. But when you see this team score a lot, they're one of the best. Yeah, and these teams don't really have this team doesn't really have much of an excuse not to score goals when you have high powered offense in Svechnikov, Aho, uh, Trocek, um, Nina Ryder, Katakanyemi. I mean, you just have offense bleeding out of this team left and right. I mean, Derek Stepan, he's our fourth line center, but I mean, that guy, he scores goals. He's done it in the past. He can do it again. A couple um, of seasons ago, he scored 40 something points. I believe can't remember which team might have been the rangers or arizona but that guy can score points when he can and i mean you have people who can who can score and what's great is we don't have that guy like the edmonton oilers have who scores like 60 70 points like this early in the season but what we have folks who can play we have scores on line one line two line three and line four people who can put in the back of the net which i think is more valuable than having just one guy than maybe some mediocre people down in the lineup we we have lines that you know you put your worst team line you know your worst line out there against them they're probably going to make you pay for it, and that's what makes Carolina so deadly on offense. Yes, it, very and uh, and so scoring was great in December, and then we had that huge COVID pause, and even though. We won against Montreal. I mean, you're kind of supposed to. They basically had a minor league team because they had so many players out. You have that huge comeback win in Columbus. But then you're off for like five or six days. I would say starting with that Calgary game, they started getting a little out of rhythm, I would say, because of the structure of the schedule. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that's true. I think Rob Brendamore said as much. I mean, you know, he would also say there's no excuse for, for, for playing poorly. But when you get out of a out of a rhythm, out of a schedule, it's rough to get back into it. But I think the pause came at the right time to kind of gave some players who may have been a little dinged up good time to get healthy. I think Jarvis needed a break too. He had been looking a little little shaky, but you know what yes, do you expect from did. someone who's eighteen? He's been outstanding for coming in. I mean, he wasn't supposed to make the team, and now he's an integral part who can play first line, second line, third line, or fourth line minutes. I mean, it's really great for him. I think it was a good kind of pause for him to reflect and think about it. And he's 19. He has so much time. Like that's just crazy. He's younger than me. <laughs> yeah, I know he's younger. A lot of these, a lot of these players are younger. Which than makes me reflect on my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you when people who are younger than you are making millions of dollars. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, it's great to see these young guys playing so well and establishing themselves and, and making dreams come true. Um, it's 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 wonderful. Um, I think after that pause, I think it was good to take that time off that the league did to let a lot of teams get healthy and let a lot of players kind of get back to it. Um, I think obviously the questionable pause game against the Flyers, some folks said it was because they wanted Yandel to break that record because if he did because at the time he had COVID, if he had played that game, he would have broke he would have snapped it before he broke it. And you know, we'll we'll let that be. Uh, I don't think that game should have been should not have been canceled. There was no reason for it to be canceled. No one had tested. No new. No one knew had been tested positive. I think the league has a lot to answer for that particular cancellation. Yeah, which we didn't really get a specific reason why. Yeah, I mean, again, like the postponed games with the COVID thing, I understand, but the way they communicated that. 
was very handled poorly. I didn't really agree uh, with uh, the communication and the why of it, but uh, the past is in the past. So um, now that one game against Columbus. Uh, I briefly touched on that. Um, the, the loss, I'm guessing you're talking about. Yeah, yeah that was that, that was, that was, was rough. I was there for that game. Um, that was I a national t- TV game, too, which got me frustrated a Which is bit, funny. But... Carolina does really poorly on national televised games during the regular season. Obviously, in the playoffs, they've been fine. They've done very, very well, um, especially in, in 19 when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but, yeah, in general, we don't tend to do well in national broadcast games for whatever reason that is. I'm not sure. But, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think it had just been a combination of very awkward um, breaks, some very awkward uh, timing with COVID, and it just kind of culminated in a very lackluster performance where everyone played bad. Uh, I believe it was Freddie Anderson in goal that night, and he didn't. I mean, it's not that he looked poorly. The and team they, in front of him played and, bad, and that's when, you know, it's great to see a good young kid like Jack LaFontaine who they did an emergency signing come in and play. Um, you know, that game was lost, and that was, you know, that was a stand-up thing for Rod Brindamore to do to really, you know, put him in and, and let him see some action. Obviously, he didn't look so good, but, I mean, the team, again, the team in front of him played very, very poorly. And um, But, you know, you laid a goose egg, and you're going to do those throughout the season. Every team does them. Just come back out and win, and, and they did. Carolina came back, and they've been solid. It's, that's been been great to see. Speaking of the goose egg game, I remember going to a game, I think this might have been two years ago, where uh, I was at that game. It was against Winnipeg and we lost 8-1. to one. I remember that game, but you know what? That just proves there's always that one game. But they bounced back very well with the win against Vancouver. And to me, the most impressive win, obviously, you could look at the uh, Columbus game, but scoring five goals in the first period at Boston. And not only at Boston, but this was the retirement game of Willie O'Ree. Yeah, his jersey. Yep. It showed, uh, you know, I, I think Carolina had a lot to prove that game. That's a team that's knocked him out two of the last three years. And Ajo's pissed. I mean, you hear it at the end of every season. He's pissed off that they get knocked out. He wants to truly be a Stanley Cup champion. I think this year he's got the best chance. But to go out there, embarrass the Boston Bruins at home, that was huge for him. You know that that was huge for him and the players on that team who've been who've played against Boston in those, those playoffs. Yeah, those two playoffs, and, and they just get knocked out. And that's what mattered, you know, to see that. That gives you confidence that this team can come and they can win against anybody. They can beat the Bostons of the world. They can beat the Rangers. I mean, they came up. They beat the Rangers at home. I mean, that was an unbelievable game. It's good to see that, and I think that's one of the most important things is you can beat these teams who are better than you, who might not be better than you, but are in that same um, stratosphere as you are, and that's important. Yeah, and uh, the next game to me showed, uh, I mean, obviously, like I said about Boston game, that was just amazing I do think part of that was just the history that the team has had with Boston and the struggles but to me the very playoff like atmosphere was that Rangers game I felt so high and then we lose 
at New Jersey and want to talk about um, Jack LaFontaine there. Jack LaFontaine got a un, probably an inexplicable start. Auntie Ronta being healthy, you think you want to get him in to, to start. I don't agree with that decision. Very rarely do I agree. Do I disagree with, with the head coach? I think he's the best coach in the league. I think a lot of Canes fans feel that way. But I don't. I didn't see the reason to start uh, LaFontaine in that game. I heard some speculation from people like Adam Gold. The only thing that really made sense was that maybe when they signed him to the contract and took him from college was that they promised him an NHL start, at least one. But, you know, that also doesn't make a whole lot of sense that Rod would have been willing to agree to that. So I'm not sure why LaFontaine started. I thought he looked very, very poor in that game. He let in some very soft goals. But, again, you can't put it all on him. The team played bad in front of him. We scored, sure, but our defense was nowhere to be seen. When you have people like Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci, Brady Shea on your team, Tony D'Angelo, you you need to be you you shouldn't be allowing those kind of goals. And for the most part, Carolina doesn't. With the with the Vesna playing uh, Freddie Anderson and the high caliber defense and Slavin, but everyone has a bad night, and that was another bad night for Carolina. Yeah, it was. And honestly, I I felt bad for Jack Lafontaine because he got thrown into the fire. I mean, just think like you're at a. Um at a job and it's your first day and in your first day you're already being like okay do everything that this experienced person can do it's unfair i think it does make me wonder about like did they promise them but again i think you and i both will agree we will never know what happened behind the scenes there um, but after that game, they didn't look back. I think they rattled off uh, four straight wins. They beat Vegas. They beat Ottawa. They beat New Jersey the week after. And then they finished it off before the All-Star break against San Jose Sharks, beating old friend and netminder James Reimer in a very closely competitive game. And it was fun to watch. It was a tough game. But, you know, it's great to, to watch them battle in close games because I think it was needed. Yeah, they didn't score, but I mean, it was good to see the defense and Freddie Anderson. Oh my goodness, Antti Ranta and Freddie Anderson that weekend played unbelievable. The, the, they did, and uh, also I I, I want to mention the New Jersey game um, partly because it was also Whalers night. Um, I understand there have been some former Hartford players that haven't really agreed with the whole going back to the history of the Hurricanes wearing Hartford. I enjoy it because I think they're honoring the history of the Hartford Whalers. I don't think they're insulting them in any ways. I think, I when, think you, uh, when you when you look at what happened that night, and it was a sellout crowd, I think that tells you all you need to know. The only thing that was left was a couple of standing room tickets only. I think that says how it says how fans feel, and that they absolutely love it. I mean, it's fun to go in there and listen to Brass Bonanza uh, uh, yeah. scream out. And oh, I always gosh. love that. It's fun. Um, it's always a great game every year. It's fun to watch them play that. Uh, to play in those jerseys and uh, to to enjoy it, and it's always one of my favorite games of the year. Yeah, and I wore my reverse retro Hartford jersey. Yeah, I probably got to get one of those at some I point. I was I was really happy for that game, and we, you and I, we have season tickets, and yep. I, I remember telling you I want to go to that game because of my jersey, <laughs> and I did. We won. Um, I think overall that week it was a little rough with the scoring. But, again, our goaltending really carried us there. And that was the biggest question coming into the season was the goaltending because you knew that was going to make or break this team. Hasn't that been the question every season, though? 
Every season, it's been can the goaltending take that next step from Cam Ward. We remember he had Justin mm. Peters. We had Anton Hudobin, who made it to a Stanley Cup final in Dallas. Every year, it's always been can the goaltending do it? Can the goaltending do it? Can the goaltending do it? And then we had that absolutely horrendous mistake, and, and Scott Darling, who I think is an unbelievable guy. <laughs> it's unfortunate that things didn't work out with us. I defended him. Up until he left, again, it's unfortunate that things didn't work out for him, but I think he just wasn't ready. He had a lot going on, but, you know, it's good to see him him, him doing well if you pay attention on social media. I think it's it's interesting that it's always been the goaltending for Carolina, and now the last three years the goaltending's been good enough, and this year I think the goaltending is took up the, a one notch. of the best. It took up a notch this year a lot, and that's what made this team to me a cup contender. Yeah, you took two goaltenders who played on teams with no defense to bring them to, and who had good numbers on those teams, to a team who has what probably the best defensive core in the league. And now their numbers are through the roof. It shows that these goaltenders can play unbelievable in our Vesna caliber when they have the good defense in front of them. And not only do they have the good defense in front of them, they're good goalies. They're going to stop the puck if they see it. And if they don't, they're very well likely going to make an unbelievable save. Yes. And next, uh, you uh, gave grades to all the players. Um, I did. I did. I think it's fun to go back and do midseason reviews of the players and talk about it. Because a lot of these guys are new. Did they pan yeah. out? Did they not? And I don't think stats tell the story, and I think you'll see that in some of my some of my grades too. It's it's stats and it's the eye test that are the two main things. Yeah, so we'll just kind of go that. down and 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 start with play, you know the, go with the points who has the most points and just go from there um, and go down the list. I think you had Sebastian Ajo. Uh, I gave him an A plus. I mean that kid is just unbelievable. He is one of the best in the league. He's an all star. He was one of Carolina's two reps in the All Star game. Uh, Sebastian Ajo has been unbelievable. He has 19 goals, 26 assists, 45 points, well over a point per game. I mean, I would not be surprised if he gets up with close to 100 points this season. I believe that's absolutely possible. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, I would give him an A, um, not an A+. Plus. Uh, I think part of it is because I am a little bit more critical against my favorite team, obviously, in the NHL, because there are times where I do a a little bit, not much, though, question his efforts, but I do think right now he has the best skill on the team. I'm not concerned at all about him. Very interesting. I might not agree with the effort part, but I think think Ajo... Gives one hundred percent every night, but I mean, you know, we're all. That's why we're ranking these players. See where we yeah. may disagree. Um, and Svech. Svechnikov, I gave him an A. I mean, after last season, he struggled a little bit to score some goals, but he's putting the puck in the net. He's got sixteen. He's number sixteen goals this season. He's number two on the team in goals. He's number two on the team in points. I mean, Svech is playing great. Svech is always going to play great. That's why we locked him up to a great contract for eight oh, years. Oh, that's a great contract. He's going to be a hurricane for life. And, you know, if he keeps putting the puck in the back of the net, able to dish the puck like he is, I'm not worried. Svechnikov is great. An A, I think, is accurate for him. I think the only reason he didn't get an A-plus from me is he's a little streaky. But, you know, when you're a goal scorer, that's pretty normal. So I think Svechnikov is, is going to keep playing well every, every season for Carolina. Yeah. Um... What's funny with Fetch is I would think before the season, I probably, well, not before the season, before uh, this past month in January, I probably would have given him a B. 
Uh, but uh, just after watching him this month, he, it seems like he really took that next step. And, and that's the reason why I'm giving him an A. Because, and I actually looked at his stats for this month. They were tied with October for eight, I believe, eight, no, no, eight points, I believe. So he had a really good January. And you could tell, especially the I'll say the past few games, he he really has taken it up a notch. I hope after the All-Star break, it comes back. But if it doesn't, it might take a few games. I'm okay with that, so... Well, our next player is the man, the myth, the legend, the infamous Tony D'Angelo, who is number three on this team in points. I mean, I don't think a lot of people saw that, but I think a lot of people in the media and a lot of fans really just discounted him because he's made some mistakes. Players make mistakes. D'Angelo did. Unlike some folks, he apologized. He's worked through it. And I and I think D'Angelo has shown that in the right environment under a coach like Rob Rindamore, who doesn't put up with any BS... And he, he he makes you work hard at it. And I think, you know, for that reason alone, the fact that he's got seven goals, he's our power play number one QB, he's got 26 assists, he's tied for the team in leads and assists with also 33 points, again, number three on the team in points. Tony D'Angelo gets an A-plus from me. He's more than exceeded what I thought he could do, not only on offense, like by easily replacing Dougie Hamilton's offensive prowess, by also being able to play a solid defensive game, taking back to... to the first game of the season. Tony D'Angelo made a bad turnover. Like, you know, it happens. He skated, corrected it, threw that player down to the ice. I mean, he's physical. He's going to get in there. He defends his teammates. He got into a fight one point of the season, and then he got the crowd into it. I hadn't heard PNC Arena that loud in a regular season in a while. And Tony D'Angelo got them up and got them got them cheering. D'Angelo gets an A+. He's been a solid, solid addition and a solid player this season. Yes, and especially that Rangers game, he really showed it. And part of it, too, was his former team. But, uh, yes, he, he, he's just been, he's really been good. Um, I know there are a lot of criti- criticisms when we um, re- uh, gave him a contract, uh for the record, we are not going into any politics on this podcast. No, we're, not, we're not saying it's... whether Tony D'Angelo's beliefs were right or wrong. Yeah, we're going to no. talk about the facts. People were upset. Um, I thought it was a great signing. Some people didn't. Uh, D'Angelo has, I think, proved a lot of people wrong. And there are some folks out there on the Twitterverse who have refused. <laughs> and it's almost embarrassing for them. They've refused to acknowledge that D'Angelo has been a solid addition to Carolina. But, you know, that's fine. They don't need to be in the stands when we win the Stanley Cup. So, just yep. keep going. And, yes. And a player next is the fellow, I would say, probably uh, the Abbott to Costello uh, yeah. uh, version of uh, Terry Vinan and Ajo. Uh, but Terry Vinan, I think he's played good. Um, I don't think we've seen the best that he, he can be. But I do think, especially on the power play, I think he's at his best. But um, what was the grade that you gave Tara Vinan? I gave Tara Vinan um, a B. I, I I think we've seen better from him, but I also recognize he hasn't played with Ajo all season like he normally has in the past. Um, Tara Vinan, I mean, don't get me wrong, Tara Vinan's skilled. He's probably one of he's probably has close to the best shot on the team when he uses it, which is why a lot of times you'll hear Hurricanes fans chanting, shoot, shoot at Tara Vinan. 
because he's got the best shot on the team, one of the best shots on the team. But I think he's He great. started shooting more this yeah. season. Yeah, he has um, 11 goals on the season, so he's tied for... Um, so he's tied for fourth on the team in goals. That's good to see. Yeah. I like to see him shooting the puck. He's definitely done that more. And with his lethal shot, especially on the power play, I mean, Tara Vinan's been solid. Yes. And now let's get to Vinny Trocek. At the start, I would admit he has been a little rough. But I think he's another player in the very past recent games where he's been the best. And... We'll have another episode digging in on, like, the contracts and all that type of stuff. But I do think um, at his best, when you look at Nino and Trocek, I think at their best, I do think Trocek is the better player. Wouldn't you agree? Trocek Not by much. Between but... Trocek and Nino Ryder? Yes. I think what this team needs... I think what most teams need are centers, and it's exactly. hard to find that. Um, I think this season, I would tend to, to say that I feel that we've gotten a lot of great things out of Nino Niederreiter. Um, if I'm honest, I don't know what this team is going to do with either of them at the end of the season. I think they've both been outstanding. I mean, I gave Nino Ryder an A, especially for recently. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that, that, he's scoring goals left and right. He is. It's always good to see. Um, I mean, Vinny Trocek. I mean, he's he's just solid all around in the faceoff circle on defense and offense. I mean, he's an all around great player. I would love to see both of them get extended, but I don't know that happens with the contracts. Again, we'll go into that financially. Later. It's going to be hard. Yeah, and we'll go into contracts probably at the end of the season and and just discuss you know who's coming up for a signing, who we think may go and stay, and we might discuss a little bit of that tonight. Yes, and uh, again, Nino's playing on a contract year. Of course, he'll probably be trying his best effort. But the reverse of that, and he, he's he been fighting the puck. He has. And Martin Etches, he's also on a contract year. You gave him a bit of a lower grade. I did, but just to go back again to, to Trocek and, and Nina Ryder, I gave Trocek a B. Um, again, I think he's played well. I think he's had some stretches that have been a little bit rough. And then I gave Nina Ryder an A because it's a contract year, and he's playing like he wants a, a solid contract. And then, yeah, Nina Etches is next. Um Marty Natchez has been disappointing to me for this season. Uh, I expected a lot more from a player on a contract year. He turns, he, he's chronically turning the puck over at bad times in games that are important. I think Natchez is probably the fastest player on the team. I think he has the potential to be one of the most skilled players on the team. I'm not sure what's going on this season. Maybe there's a nagging injury that we don't know about. Um it will. It would help uh, financially though for the yeah, games. Yeah, and I think when we look at the contract for him, I think we need to understand that they need to take the season into account when they look at him. If he wants like an eight year, an eight by eight, I mean that's no. that's not reasonable. No, um, I think a bridge deal is going to be in order this season. I know people expected that for Svechnikov, but I think locking him up for a long term, high dollar deal might could potentially if he keeps playing this way could potentially hurt the organization for money so i think a bridge deal is solid um a solid option i gave him a c minus i think we can get i think we should expect more from marty natchez uh, a player as fast as he is as skilled as he is to, to to be a little bit more careful with the puck and be able to put the puck in the back of the net probably a little bit more than he has recently yes and um 
Not much to say about this guy because he's just our obviously our best defender. Uh, but Slavin, he he's my favorite player on the team right now. Um, but there's not much to say about him because he's there's no bad game with him and he's solid defensively. I think maybe and, in this season, I think I may have been seen like one, maybe two plays where Jacob Slavin got beat or made a mistake. I mean, that guy just is a be- he is the best defensive man in the league. The only reason he doesn't win the best defenseman in the league award. Um, which I can't at the top of my head. I can't remember the name of that award. Um, the only Norris the Norris trophy. trophy. The only reason he doesn't win the Norris Trophy is because he doesn't score goals. Yeah. But he does what a defenseman is supposed to do, which is shut down players like Connor McDavid. We played Edmonton earlier. Connor McDavid was a non-factor. Yeah. He shuts down the best players night in and night out, and they try to avoid him as much as they can, and it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, now him, a new uh, a, a new player and uh, yeah definitely an A plus now a new player in Cockneyami um, I don't think he's proven yet to be a second line center but I think he is definitely a top nine forward with the potential to be a second yeah I think forward I think Kotkaniemi has surprised the league I think Kotkaniemi has played very well this season. He started off cold, which was kind of expected. Um, with a lot of these newer players, it's expected for them to start off cold with a new team. But he did take a little bit longer time. Yeah, he took the longest of the new folks to, that came into the um, organization. I think seeing what Kokinyemi has done, especially when the, our top players were out in COVID, he was the number two and I think sometimes number one center for this organization. I mean, Kokinyemi proved... He can play well. So I think you keep developing him. We saw a little spark of that potential for him to be a number two. I think you keep letting him play. You keep letting him play these, these high time minutes. Uh, letting him play sometimes maybe on the wing with Ajo. Maybe let him play a little bit of center on that on that third line. When he um, was changed to that center position, he got Yeah, a lot they better. started him off on the wing. It didn't quite click for him, but he went back to his natural position, which is center. And he sh- he's proven why Carolina felt the offer sheet was necessary. Yes, and another young player, which we did not expect to make the team, uh, number one pick that we just took from Toronto in that trade, and that was Seth Jarvis. Yeah, we basically bought that pick for Patrick Marlowe, <laughs> took his salary, and um, Seth Jarvis has been impressive. I gave him a B. Um, I think he had a stretch again we talked about before where he was looking a little bit rough. He kind of went goalless for a while, but, I mean, you know, that guy – had a great start. He had a couple of goals disallowed two games in a row. That was that was interesting, especially on that second one. You know, you can see him mouthing again. Seth Jarvis is a great player. It just shows that this team is going to be very, very good for a very, very long time. And we're not going to just be this spurty playoff team who makes it once every so many years and then, you know, you don't hear from him again for a while. Carolina's here to stay. And Carolina's offense and Carolina's depth, their youth, their quality of young guys in the minors – I mean, you got Jack Drury, who played unbelievable when he came up for a couple games. It was a small sample size. Yeah, it was a small sample size, but he's in the minors, and he's lighting it up down there. Yeah. Jack Drury is definitely going to be a solid player for Carolina in the future. It just shows, again, Seth Jarvis proves that the youth and talent on this team is deep. Yes. And and the next player... it's funny whenever um, I think of Brady Shea because I remember you telling me 
That he we should be he should be the one that should be training. Yeah, Brady Shea had a little stretch where <laughs> I was thinking, you know, because of his salary hit, maybe it was a good idea to look for a trade partner. And no sooner did I send that text that that, that his goal scoring scoring streak take off, his offensive streak took off, and it's he heard you. He he heard you. Probably did. Uh, yeah, it's it's good to see uh, Brady Shea. I I gave him an A. I think he's been solid. His offense has picked up. Um, not only quarrel again with him as a salary, but we'll talk about that later because uh, you got to worry about that this off season. You got some players you got to sign, but no, it was great. And I mean, you know, you go on to another former Ranger and Jesper Fast, who has played unbelievable. He can play anywhere on the lineup: first line, second line, third. I line, believe he's line. the only player that can play up. On the first line to the fourth. Yeah, Jesper Faust is probably the most versatile player in the lineup. You know, that's a guy that Rod loves. Um, yeah, he doesn't have like the most flashy points, or he's not the most flashy player. But when he's on the ice, you know, you don't, you aren't complaining or thinking he's making mistakes because he's out there quietly having great games every night, playing well, and really helping this team compete. Uh, he's a guy that you again you can put on your first line with Aho and Teravine, and he's going to produce. He's going to set them up. He's going to uh, make a. a time and space work out for those guys um i think this next guy and brett pesci, yeah pesci <laughs> i may have a little controversial opinion so i might let you go first on, on him so i still love pesci i still think he's really good do i think he can be better that he has shown in the past to be very well yes i don't think he's been bad though for this team i don't think pesci has been bad yeah i mean pesci's not been bad but pesci has not been what he was the last few seasons which is surprising i wasn't expecting the regression that we got this season but let me be clear without brett pesci i don't think his defensive core is as good as it is i think i i gave him gave him a c not because again I, I'm holding him to his own standards of the last couple seasons where he's been unbelievable. In that Nashville series, he was unbelievable. But Brett Pesci just hasn't been that caliber that I expected. He's had some turnovers. He's had a couple of rough games. I think we can expect more from him. I expect this to turn around the second half of the season. Brett Pesci's great player, and um, I think he, he definitely is, is he's going to improve. And I think... He, I think maybe he could have possibly tweaked something. He could be a little injured. I think he may have gotten hurt earlier in the season. Um, I'm looking. He's played a lot less games than some of the other players. And I don't think that's all due to COVID. So, you know, I think he might be battling something. So, I think we'll see. I think Pesci's uh, going to bounce back. Yeah, and I always see him. I think what makes us maybe a little bit frustrated is that at times he plays like a top two. Um, but I think at his worst, he's a top four. Defense, yeah, I but, think that's fair. Um, and next is a new depth player. He's more of a depth player, but I really like what Stefan brings. Yeah, Derek Stepan has been very, very, very good. He plays well when he's in the lineup. He's one of those guys that kind of rotates in and out when you're trying to, you know, get some kind of a um, uh, when you're trying to get some, you know, help, you know, rest in for some other guys, and maybe he needs a night off. He's been good. I mean, he's been solid. He's done his job. He's come in as that depth center who can score, who can provide you offense on that third and fourth line because you need that. 
Um, I gave him a B. I think he's been good. I think he's been good, too. I think at times he can play like a third liner. I don't think he's a top six, but he at times he plays like a third liner. Derek Stepan has scored a lot of goals in his career. He can keep doing that in Carolina, but he knows his role. He knows why he came to Carolina, but he came to Carolina because he thinks he can win. At Stanley Cup. Cup Yes, exactly. Now, the next player, there's been a lot of... I'll say he's probably... Wouldn't you say he's probably the most controversial player on I think, here? I, I think a lot of fans love the stalls. You know, Jared Jordan and, and Eric. But right now, Jordan is the guy we're talking about. George Stalls played 40 games. He only has two goals, nine assists, 11 points. Um, George Stahl, I think it's important to understand that Jordan Stahl is not here to score goals. Jordan Stahl is here to shut down players like Connor McDavid, players like Austin Matthews, which he does night in and night out. He's not out there on the ice to necessarily put the puck in the back of the net. He does his job. I gave Jordan Stahl a B- minus because, again, I think he can do better offensively, but if you watch him, he's kind of fighting the puck. He's kind of probably a little bit low on that confidence end of, of putting the puck in the net. You can definitely see the, his face. There is some confidence there with him, Um, but I think the biggest thing is that uh, him not scoring is not affecting this team. Yeah, and as long as that, as long as this team is like a top scoring team, he doesn't need to be. Yeah, and I think that's true. I mean, George Stahl is doing his job. I mean, you ask Rod Brendamore. Any night, you know, you know, what do you think of George Stahl? And he's going to praise him every night. He's right to do yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> George Stahl has been very, very good. Um, I think we need to see a little bit more offense from him. But I, I think when that first one goes, I think we're going to see a few games where Jordan Stahl has very good offensive nights. And we're going to need him in the playoffs. Yes, I, I think I think he will be more effective in the playoffs. I really do. Again, anything can change, but I do think he will be better. Next, I love the signing. During free agency day of Ian Cole. I was very high on that signing. And yes, he has some penalty trouble to him. But Ian Cole, I love. Yeah, you want to so sign. Much. Yeah, you want to sign a player like Ian Cole, who, who is a Stanley Cup champ. He's unbelievable. I mean, he's been playing very, very good. I gave him a B-, and that's really only because he's gotten into some penalty issues the last probably month or so. But I think that's going to get corrected. I think Ian Cole brings what you need, which is that depth defenseman, that third-pairing defenseman who could play up if he needs to. And and we needed that. I remember last year in the um, playoffs, I think it was the Nashville series where Slavin was out. There was a big difference. Brady Shea was playing a ton of minutes, and then after that, you had what Maxime Lajoie. Yeah, yeah, Maxime Lajoie. You had Hayden Fleury playing. I mean, yeah, not Hayden Fleury. I, you had uh, Jake, Jake Bean, Bean Jake playing a lot of minutes that you really don't want a player like him playing. I think he's played. He's played. I mean, you know, to fairness to Jake Bean, he's having an okay year in Columbus, but his issue was he turned the puck over a lot. And he wasn't defensive enough, and that's a problem. He didn't have any strength, too. He he, he kept getting pushed around. And I, and to me, you cannot have that in the playoffs. Yeah, no, for sure. Because it's, it's a bit more of a physical game. Which is why you get Ian Cole. And, and, and another guy on this list, we'll just jump down to him now, and, and Brendan Smith. Brendan Smith is a depth defenseman, a 7-6 defenseman. 
and he's a guy who's tough. He's not going to let you push him around. He's going to push you around, and that's something this team has needed for years. You know, he only has two goals, two assists, four points, but defenseman's job is not to score. His job when he's out on the ice is to shut players down and to play solid defense. He's a penalty killer, too. I mean, Brendan Smith is a solid player. I gave him a B-. minus. I think um, the only reason, again, he's not higher up is he doesn't play a lot of games, so, you know, you don't get him all the games of the season. But recently, he has played a lot. He's done really, really well. I'm impressed. Yeah, he has. And I think uh, ever since, I would say, Joel Edmondson, uh, he's provided a physical edge that I think uh, the blue line needed. Obviously, I do like Joel Edmondson probably a little bit better in terms of his physicality and also, I think, his skating, too. But we just couldn't afford him. I think Brendan Smith is a very good replacement. Let's go to the last defenseman on here, and Ethan Bear. Yeah, um, he was a trade. We traded uh, uh, Warren Fogle uh, to. Yeah, uh, he's to having an okay season. It was a swap. A couple players who felt like they needed a change of scenery. Uh, what do you think? What, what do you think, um, Bear? What do you give him? I, to me, with Bear, I mean, obviously, I know you've given him a low grade on him base, but with Ethan Bear, he he definitely. I, I, I would say when he is at his best, he's better than Brendan Smith. But he hasn't been. And, um, and I think part of the... I, I do think part of the reason why we brought him in is so that him and maybe Tony D'Angelo could uh, fill that void, that Hamilton, that we lost. Yeah, I think in that's Hamilton. Um, obviously, D'Angelo has took that spot yeah. very clearly, but Ethan Bear, I mean, he he struggled. I think he's gotten better since coming back from COVID a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I I mean, I'm neutral. I would say on him. I I, I don't think Ethan Bear has, has ever has really fit in like he needed to. I gave him a D. Um, I thought he looked promising to start out, and then it just it just didn't look good from there. Um, I think you know you have your clear top two in D'Angelo and uh, Slavin. Um, they tried the Baron Slavin. Brandon they Moore did. Tried they it. did, and it, and it worked a little bit at the beginning of the season. But then you know he switched it. He let he let D'Angelo play with Slavin, who's done well. And then you have Shea and Pesci, who are or solid, and then you have Ian Cole. Uh, with either Ethan Bear or Brendan Smith. And I think right now, you know, again, just a hot take, I really don't expect Ethan Bear to be with us after the trade deadline. If he is, I'll be surprised. But I definitely don't see him on the team at the end of the season. I don't. I expect us to trade him, whether for assets or for maybe another piece like John Klingberg. Again, we'll talk about this more closer to the trade deadline. We'll have more of an idea of what this team's intentions are at that point. Um, all the next player we'll talk about is Stephen Lawrence. Um he is. I think he's most. gotten better. I think he's gotten better in in terms of goal scoring, at least. Uh, but I, but I just think he's better. I think Stephen Lawrence has done has done well this season. I gave him a C plus. Again, I, I I would like to see just a little bit more from him, but I think he has the potential to be that third second line player if he can really make that jump. Right now, he's that fourth line guy, but I think he has that potential if he keeps pushing and keeps working at it. We can see him taking a step every season, and I think we're going to get that um, from from him. I think he's been very good. And I would say him and the next player we're going to talk about. He's our last player. I would say those he's our last two, skater, last skater, uh, in Jordan Markinook. 
To me, those two players, I think, are the most hardworking players. They're not, they're not skillful at all. But you sometimes, but and especially for a fourth line, you really need to um, find more of that heart player because they're not going to get lots of minutes. And yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. Jordan Martinuk provides you with that really, really great... Um, uh, energy. I mean, you know, you have the videos of him yelling, Mr. Svechnikov, and, you know, he brings that kind of a, of a vibe that you want in Carolina, especially you want from your um, assistant captain. And that's really important. And Martin Nook just all deserving of that. He's a leader in that locker room. He doesn't get you the points, but your captains and your alternates don't have to get you those points. They have to lead the club. And Martin Nook's a leader in the locker room, a leader on that ice. He gives you that um, he gives you that momentum you need. Sometimes you see him playing up with Ajo. I do not agree with that, but I think it's designed to kind of jump the team like a jump start, and then you put exactly. the cop. It's a good short term thing to do, um, but long term, I don't really agree. Yeah, I and I gave Martin Oak a C plus again. I think again that's mostly because we don't have a lot of sample size of him this season. He is injured. You know, he got COVID, too, I believe. Um, and you're just hoping you see him keep playing well. He's played actually really well. He played really great in those last two home games against the Devils and against the Sharks. So I, I'd love to see him continue. Yes. Um, so I guess on to the goaltending. Uh, and oh, um, Anderson and Ranta. Freddie um, Anderson, Auntie Ranta. I mean, what more can you say? I mean, I gave Freddie an A+, plus, Ranta an A-, minus again, just the fact we don't have a lot of big sample size of Ranta, but Randy Anderson, Vesna goalie, I mean, what else What else can you say about Freddie Anderson? I know, and same for Ranta, I mean, and I can tell Brent, both Brenda Moore and Don Waddell, they rather have a tandem a one, during the season, which I think is more beneficial than having a truly self-starter and a truly self-backup. And I think this is the first season almost where we've had that starter in Anderson. Uh, which is good to see. It's nice to have a true number one. But I think down the stretch you're going to see them split a little bit more because I think it's expected and rightfully so that Freddie Anderson is going to be the guy in the playoffs. You're not going to see him come out of that net unless he has a bad game or multiple bad games. Freddie Anderson is the guy. I mean, you look at his numbers. He's won 24 games. He has no overtime losses. He's lost six. He's got a .929 save percent average. Incredible. And just over a 2.0 goals against average. I mean, oh my goodness. Freddie Anderson could easily end the season with a sub a sub two goals yeah. against. And I think he can be a 9.30 save percentage goalie. Easily. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think he could even get higher. Freddie Anderson's an all-star. And that's why, he, oh, that's why he was one of Carolina's two reps to the All-Star game. It was him and Ajo, and they deserve it. They absolutely deserve it as the team's probably best two players. Yeah, they deserve to go to the All-Star game. Yeah, and the way Anderson's playing, like you said, he's a he's a self-starter. He's a yeah. one. I would say Anderson's probably, uh, the way he's playing, a 1A. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. Yep. He had, now, Ranta did have a bit of a rough start, but again, he's new. That is expected. But there's nothing more I could ask for those two goalies. And um, today, as we are recording this a couple of hours ago, uh, we have the official word of the outdoor game. And I am really excited. What do they name it? Again? I believe it was uh, the, one of the um, stadium series games. Um, I'd have to go back and check. But regardless, we're getting an outdoor game right across the street from PNC Arena next year. That is going to be fun. 
I'm looking forward to it. Traffic's going to be fun. Traffic's going to be fun. <laughs> but I think it's going to be a great weekend, a great time for Canes fans to get this long overdue game at Carter Finley. Um, you know, I'll I'll definitely be there. I know you will. I know a lot of folks who will. Um, I think it's going to be great. Oh yeah, that and um, also uh, we are recording this right after the skills competition where Aho won the accuracy shooting. Yeah, the second it, I do believe it is the second year in the row where the Hurricanes have won that because Slavin won it a year before. Yeah, because I think the All Star game was nixed last season simply because of COVID. Understandable. Yeah, and I think that was it was great to see that you know. It's always good to watch Aho plays. He's definitely an all an all star, and he proved it tonight. I mean, he was the best four out of four. Yeah, gotta love it. And my whole thing with this all star game, I mean, players obviously they're gonna have fun with it. Yeah. Um, but also they, but they also know the reality too that they're not gonna want to break a sweat or yeah do anything for the sake of the season. Yeah, um, they don't want to get hurt. They want to. They don't want to get hurt. Uh, they just want to have fun, and they really did show it tonight at the skills competition. Yes. Next episode, we'll be talking about the All Star Game because that's tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I thought Anderson was fine. I mean, yeah. But again, I, it's more. It's more fun. It's not yeah, really competitive. Absolutely. You don't so, want to see your your goal, your number one goalie go down. You know, if you're Vassy or. If you're um, Anderson or Yar, Jari, you know, those are your guys. You need them healthy. So I think a good way to end the podcast for the Carolina Hurricanes this season is to talk about the three stars of the season so far. You're, you're midway, number one, number two, and number three. We'll start with number three. I'll let you go first. Who is your number My number three is Ajo. Number three is Ajo. That's, that's interesting. That is because I think there are two players that – have exceeded their expectations. I kind of did this in an expectations factor, but I put number three as Aho. Okay. Honestly, I think I will give an honorable mention to probably Svetch. Yeah. To, be, to me, Aho's number three because he is the best player. Yeah, and for me, I, I went with Tony D'Angelo as number three. I know a lot of folks might not like that one, but I think Tony D'Angelo has exceeded expectations, which is why I put him at number three. I think he's our one of our best offensive defensemen, one of our one of our best power play players. I think he is going to consistently be that power play one QB. I want to see us re-sign him. I want to see him be a hurricane for the rest of his career, and I want to see him keep putting up points like this. I mean, he's been great. Um, I think putting him at number three, and the only reason he's not higher is because I think the other two guys have just been that good. And again, yeah, honorable mention to Andrei Svechnikov. He could easily be number three, two, or one as and, well. And and I, I do want to give another. Honorable mention to Slavin. Yeah, Jacob too. Slavin's always good. Yeah, you, you <laughs> he's can't. the best defenseman. Yeah, but. it's hard. It's hard. Jacob Slavin's been great, but I, I went with these three, and yeah. I know it's it's hard. You had Tony D'Angelo at three. I had him at number two because yeah, I think true. he's just exceeded expectations. He's done so much better. Like even if he'd gotten half the points in the game, I would be so happy. But he's just done so well. I'm just. Yes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're. I mean, yeah, I get it. Tony D'Angelo is as absolutely. Again, I, I don't think he he's better than you know Aho, which is what how I had at number two. Yeah. So we flipped. Yeah. I, I thought Sebastian Aho has had. He's having a career season. Obviously, he's your best player night in night out. You would think he'd be your number one, but my number one guy. You know, you're gonna see. You know, more than willing to defend. I don't think you can argue for anyone other than him. I would be willing, but we probably have the same number one guy. But Aho's great. Aho's your 
your best forward. He's always going to be your best forward. Just keep playing. I think Ajo's going to keep playing well. It's going to be good to see him down the stretch and in the playoffs again. Number one, Frederick Anderson. Yeah, I had Frederick. It's hard. I mean, you know, he, he has just exceeded every every critic's complaint against him. He has been unbelievable. He's the best goalie, in my opinion, right now in the league. I know some people might think it might be others, but no, I, I think it's definitely Freddie Anderson. And I think Freddie Anderson's one of the best goalies we've had since Cam Ward, which has been a long time since Cam's been in the league. And um, it's great to see a number, a true number one goalie in Freddie Anderson. Yeah, well, that's fun. And we're going to be doing these three stars uh, hopefully um, every episode. Again, yep. these are going to be on a weekly basis. This first episode, we just want to touch on the season as, as a whole. Next episodes are just going to be weekly stuff, going over the games and all that type of stuff. Yep, we'll do our three stars of the week. We'll kind of keep talking if anything big news has happened, injuries, trades. We're getting closer to that deadline. Um, and we hope to keep talking about Hurricanes wins uh, as we go down the stretch. Um, I would, again, thank you for listening to the Kaniac Report. My name is Sam Driscoll. And I am Sam. Well, have a wonderful night. See you.